one to Real Life, Real Equity with your host Justin and the lovely Keisha Brooks. Say hello everyone. Hey and welcome everybody. Our goal is to share with you real life examples of entrepreneurs who are winning in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing easy to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth, more cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. And we'll do that right after this commercial break. Are you part of the club? The Real Equity Club is a group of like-minded individuals. The club's purpose is to help create more wealth for its members. The mission of the club, to help you increase your passive income and net worth. The club is completely free to you. When you join, you will receive the tools, providers, and ideas you need to create, grow, and maintain your wealth. So join the club now at realequityclub.com to gain access. Or send us an email to info at realequityclub.com. That's info at realequityclub.com equityclub.com. We want to see you succeed in business and in life. So go to the website at realequityclub.com and join now. Welcome everybody to the show today. We are kicking off our vendor series yes. today. It's super exciting. Our guest today owns and operates a mortgage lending company. They have four offices with over 50 employees with Fairway Independent Mortgage. He's been in the mortgage industry for more than 16 years and believes in building strong business and client relationships. He offers the best options to his clients to achieve their financial goals, whether it be through buying their first home, building their dream home, purchasing an investment property, consolidating debt, or refinancing their current home. He was born in Bellevue, Washington, is married to his beautiful wife of 13 years, Monique, and has three amazing kids. He's a diehard Seattle Seahawks fan and loves spending time with his family traveling and relaxing ladies and gentlemen i want to give a warm round of applause and welcome to the show waylon and monique coleman welcome to the show guys thank you Keisha and justin appreciate okay. it having us yeah it's a, I'm, I'm really excited about today's show today we're going to talk about mortgages you're the first of our vendor series we're real estate investors i love banking i love talking about banking i love finances i love numbers but a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions about banking. So we want to alleviate some of that. But first, let's talk about you. So why don't we give us a little bit of back, about your background, and then Monique, we're going to go into yours as well. Yeah. Yeah, so I've been in the business for roughly about 16 years. I've been doing it pretty much the whole time. I was born and raised over here in Bellevue, Washington. I just found a passion for, for helping people out and, and providing the, one of the biggest investments that somebody can, can buy. Right. Monique, tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. Um, so I'm from originally from Eastern Washington, Yakima, and I came to Seattle to go to college. So I went to UW for three years, two and a half years. Um, I was recently had a five-year career in that title and escrow industry. Oh, wow. So, and that was totally... Like we didn't plan that. It was totally just random. Um, but it was nice because Waylon and I could actually talk about uh, the, our jobs and actually know what we were talking about because I understood what he was saying. He understood what I was saying. So it was actually really, it was really, really cool. Um, but last year I actually stopped working. I had the mommy guilt of missing out on our kids growing up and not being able to be on their field trips and volunteering at their school and just not being here from I felt like I was missing out on a lot yeah so uh, Waylon said you know what my career is going really great right now there's really no reason why you know you can't be home 
He goes, so why don't you just do that? If that's what your heart is telling you that you need to do, let's just do that. So I thank God that I have a, such a supportive husband that has such a great job that I can, I'm able to do that. I think we make a good team, me being at home. We're not killing each other yet, so that's good. <laughs> that is most important. <laughs> that's one of the big things that we are always talking about is like that, that teamwork. You've been an entrepreneur like your whole life, right? By the time I was 21, I worked in a call center selling mortgages over the phone. Hmm. And then from that point on, I, I kind of went out into retail, meaning that a traditional loan officer that, that kind of meets and talks to agents and gets referrals. Right. Then I just kind of worked my way up the chain. You know, I went from being a, an assistant manager to a, a branch manager to running our own profit and loss. Wow. Now, now we, we've built up to about 50 employees, like I mentioned earlier, and we got four branches. So it, it's wow. going really well. I'm happy. I'm able, like, like my wife was saying, to provide a, a good life so she can stay at home and take care of the kids. Plus, that takes a lot off of me because yeah, when we were both working, you know, we both came home and was like, who's going to cook dinner? Yeah. You know, who's, who's cooking dinner? It actually relieves my stress now that she's not working because when I do come home, she can take care of a lot of the things that it's tough for somebody to do when they're out there working. Right. So I, right. I, I just think it's a better partnership, better a better team, you know, when one can actually take care of the home front, because that's a major job, and I, and I can do that. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> Monique, being at home is is like working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Right. The same as my job. So, like I said, I, I think that is just as important, if not more important. Right. You got to have some type of balance between the you two. Do. I know. That's something that Justin and I can relate to. I was working consistently through last year for three years, and then we finally decided, you know, yeah, <laughs> who's cooking dinner? We, you know, we had help. We had, you know, we have a cleaner. So that helps. But still, it's like there's a little bit of stuff. Who's going on the yeah. field trips? Who's, yeah. <laughs> who's following yeah. up? teachers so me being here is helpful but then I'm still here working in our business so you know you're saying you have 50 employees there's a lot of people that are trying to build it get to that level build a team what is something that you would share with our audience that if they're trying to hire extra help an assistant administrator what is a key thing that you've done to grow your team right the way that our culture is I don't micromanage people. I just look for somebody that's fun to be around. Right. It's right. fun to be around that I like that they like me. They interview me, I interview them. Mm. I run the group more like, a, you know, I'm their support. I also, I don't want to work above you. I want to work beside you. Right. Because not a lot of people want you to work above them. So I try to make it a really fun atmosphere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I try to make it a place to where when I hire people, they like me, I like them. We can all grow together and, and just be in a fun, positive environment together. I don't have a time where they have to come in from a nine to five. Mm-hmm. They come in when, you know, when they want 10 o'clock to three o'clock or even work from home every other day. Right. As long as they get the work done and everybody's happy with, with the work and the environment they're in. I just try to manage it as, a, as like we, the people team. Right. right. Instead of me, the, the boss, the micromanager. Right. And they take ownership in their own business. Which is very important. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. But that's that grit and grind, man. I mean, like, that's what it is. That's what entrepreneurs about. And that's what we talk about a lot. Like, a lot of people don't, you know, they, 
oh yeah, I want to run a big business. I want to have 50 employees and da da da. Man, we can talk so many times about how you work 14, 16, 18 hour days. You'll go to bed at two. You'll wake up at six. I mean, like that's reality. Yeah. That's reality. I mean, you, you gotta. It's a lifestyle. You gotta live it. Yeah. If you yeah. don't live it, you don't love it. It's hard to do because it's something you consistently have to do day in and day out. No, I'm, I want to say this because for our skeptics, for, for some of the people that may not believe, you know, okay, he has 50 employees. I've walked around and I've seen your office. You know, this is a professional operation. You know, you got a guy in here who's running a full-blown mortgage company. You know, that's next level stuff, man, you know? Yeah. So we want to talk to our, our audience about specifics because this is a vendor series. And so let's start off with like the basic definition, difference between a mortgage lender and a mortgage broker. Yeah, so a mortgage broker acts as a middleman. Okay. A mortgage broker, they can go and shop 80 different investors, right? Or 100 different investors. They can broker out to direct lenders like myself. We're a direct lender, meaning that we hold the money and we fund the loans in-house. Wow. And after we fund it with our own money, we can actually sell it on the secondary market to whoever has the highest bid on all the loans. So a broker acts as a middleman. You call them, they shop for you, and they take the loan and get it underwritten by another bank, like, like, like us. There's benefits, there's pros and cons for both. For a, a broker, it's nice that they're the middleman because they can shop 80 different investors instead of going to one specific bank, right? Right. If they come to me, we're a direct lender, so they get our in-house rates. The nice thing about our bank that I love is that we can also broker out loans. So I also have you know, 50, 60, 70 different 80 investors that we can use if our in-house rates and programs aren't the best. So we're the best of both worlds. We can do right. both. We can fund your loan in-house, which a lot of people like. We service and we're direct Fannie and Freddie, meaning that as a direct lender, we don't have any overlays. Overlays are additional guidelines that the bank adds on. So it just makes the process easier, user-friendly for the client going through, through us or a direct lender because we don't have those additional overlays that make it hard for financing, which the Dodd-Frank put in, in place, you know, a few years back to where a lot of lenders are a lot more cautious right. when they lend right. because of the fact that we had, you know, the meltdown in 2008, you know, we loan based on that. And so Moni, go ahead and tell us about your title experience, how that ties in. Yeah, absolutely. So in Title and Escrow, I was the director of operations for our title company. And when I started out, we had three offices. And when I left, we were up to our seventh office. Wow. And so what I did there was I actually oversaw each of the offices and I helped run the day in and day out. I worked like side by side by the CEO and the CFO and the the director of title as well. And going in, I knew nothing about title and escrow, like absolutely nothing. And I went in going in as an assistant to the managers and I moved up so quickly because I was taking a grasp to everything. And they were like, you're ready to like move up and help us run everything. And so how it ties in is when you purchase a home, you have to have title and escrow, which is basically like insurance on your home. Right. And so what title does is they actually look at everything, the history of the home, making sure that there's no liens or anything like that. Um, the title is clear for you to purchase this home. And then it goes, you know, the last step when buying a home is you go into escrow, right? 
And right. that's when you sign all the papers and all the documents and everything. And so escrow's like the lawyers. Yeah. Escrow is the ones that hold they hold the money. They, they hold the money, make sure everything goes smooth. Yeah. So oversee the whole deal. We didn't expect to get a two for one. This is pretty good. We get to not only learn about the mortgage side, but you get to learn about the closing side as well. Right. So, you know, the mortgage yeah. lender and the uh, closing escrow title company work together pretty close, right? They, they do. Really close. Yeah. Hand in hand. Yeah. Yeah. They're hand in hand. So give our investors, um, we're going to talk specifically to investors because that's what we are. You know, we, we cater mm -hmm. to investors. We talk about investors. We are investors. So give us a couple of things that are specific to investors that, we can better do to prepare ourselves for qualifying for loans, one. And then two, how can we make the best of our title and escrow experience? So, so what I've dealt with in the past with investors, from my experience, when they invest, they'll take out a home equity line of credit right? or they'll take cash out okay. from a home to use that for their next house. Right. right. Now- It's called cross-collateralization, right? Yeah. So I have one deal that's pretty interesting. I had a real estate agent that he's- 25 years old his first step was in investing but he was smart enough to know that if if he had a lease agreement with renters in it they can provide the income for that rental property so Never. you don't need to make enough money to go out there and start investing wow. right yeah you basically said if you want to go out and invest in a piece of property and you don't have the income Let's use a duplex, for example, because we did the same thing. Yeah. You go and get a duplex. If it's rented out on both sides, a lot of mortgage companies will take that income, 75% of the income that's being brought yep. generated from yep. the property, and use it as your income to qualify for that loan. Exactly what I said. Yeah. And, and once you do that, you can close on a property that you normally wouldn't be able to qualify for with your primary income. That's correct. So you just pretty much answered that question that so many people have how is how, how can I get started without any money? Yes. <laughs> That's how you can do it. Now, just imagine how creative you can be if you were to find a property that was leased up when you're about to buy it and you're going to use it as an investment income. And yeah. Like this stuff counts the same way. It doesn't have to be a primary resident. It's, it's the same for uh, an investment property, right? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't have to be a primary resident. The, the difference in a primary residence is that they're going to count your income against you because you're going to be living there. Uh, investment house, and you have a lease agreement. Initially, you can only use 75% of that income. After it's been on your tax return for two years, you can use the full 100% of income and then start buying more houses. Wow. And that's even better. So there you have it. Moni, tell us about the, how the title works. What are some things that we can look at in title um, specifically that you know a lot of investors overlook? Well, I would say is find somebody that you trust and know. Look at reviews of title and escrow companies. Why um, is that important? Well, because you want to you want to go with a company that's reputable and that will get your paperwork everything done on time. You don't mm -hmm. want to go with somebody that they're hard to get a hold of or they're not good to you know hard to work with. You can't if you have a question, you can't get a hold of them because. They're never available. So you want to work with somebody that you know or that somebody that you know has worked with. They're just a good company. So like our company was smaller. We only did the tri-counties, so Snohomish, King, and Pierce. And we did a lot of referral base. Like we didn't do a lot of marketing. And that was because our customer service was our main focus. Wow. Our clients were – that was our main priority. Like our CEO always did like the Nordstrom way. That's what I suggest for 
all of your listeners is to go and, and look for somebody that maybe a comp- they've worked for, like a friend's work for and they love them or they work for them. Try try different places out too. Don't don't go do it just with one. Maybe try a couple places out and then figure out who works best with you. So title's going to be really, really important to investors because a lot of investors, they want to find homes that are under market, right? Right. Under market to get a really good deal. Value uh, add. Foreclosures, bank yeah. owned properties. Yeah. When, when you get those kind of properties, you never know if that whatever homeowner lived there, those property taxes, there's liens on the property. You don't know. So right. the reason why it's so important for title to get a good title company is because so you can call a free title company and say, hey, listen, I'm, I'm looking at this property. Are there any liens on the property? Are there any property taxes owed before you can buy it? Yeah, that's really important information that a title company can provide. Okay. Okay. So are there any industry secrets like the bankers and mortgage lenders know that they don't necessarily tell you or, you know, something that we should, maybe we could be, you know, in on the little secret of the bankers and the mortgage lenders that we, we want to know. That- you know what? Um, there's really no secrets. I mean, for me, I, I try to make the process as clear as possible. Everything I know, I try to give to my client. I agree. Let's know the myth, because I know there's a lot of people out there who say banks don't want to lend you money. Explain why that is such a terrible myth that's uh, been portrayed out here. Banks would love to lend money, but after the crash of 2008, they just became more conservative because all the foreclosures that happened. So when the Dodd-Frank Act came in, they just implemented a lot of additional rules to make sure this doesn't happen again. Okay. That every loan that we do, the homeowners, I feel like they're, overqualified all right so yeah so how can an investor qualify an investor or even a a homeowner i know a lot of people that uh have said it's hard to get loans so how can somebody qualify both investor and a normal buyer primary resident buyer qualify for a mortgage so i'll start with a primary buyer a primary buyer you need at least a 580 credit score to qualify but with that there's compensating factors like you'd have to have Reserves, like six to 12 months of reserves, assets at 580. It's going to be a lot harder to qualify at 580. At 640, no issues at all. You don't need any any compensating factor. The second thing with the primary borrower is that you can get a program from anywhere from zero to 20%, you know, to 100% down. So you can actually qualify for a loan putting nothing down. Wow. For our primary bar. Is that VA only or is that, is that a normal FA? I mean, like, tell me, because I've always like, heard. Yeah. No, there's like four or five different programs. There's VA, there's USDA, there's state programs that give you a, a gift until you sell or refinance your house. Wow. Yeah. So there's a lot of programs where you get into a home if you got at least a 640 credit score. Okay. So the home buying process for an investor, we have as little down as 15%. Okay. 20% the standard, 25% you're going to get the best rates. Okay. So, you know, we have three downs for an investor, 15, 20, 25%. And like I mentioned earlier, for an investor, you can use the income for the lease agreement or the renters that are currently in that property up to 75% if you don't have any tax returns reported the last two years. So let me just clarify. You said 15, I'm just, it's just popular. You said 15, 20, and 25%? Yep. Now we're gonna we're gonna caveat this. This is a lot of regional specific knowledge. So you know, if you're on the East Coast, some things may change. But you know, again, this is a really good baseline. You know, you're getting a lot of this information that 
is coming from a professional. So go on this platform, figure out what factors are going to play into your market and what things are going to go with your market and how you would qualify, right? How can they get a hold of you to start talking more about mortgages? Yeah, so what I tell people as far as if they want to get pre-qualified is you see, I know a lot of people don't know what the first, how to take the first step. Okay. So the first step is really easy. It doesn't cost anything to get pre-approved because that's, okay. that's a big question for everybody. How much is it going to cost so I can get pre-approved? It doesn't cost anything. It, all it does is take some time, you know, five or 10 minutes out of your time to get pre-approved to see what you can do. Okay. A lot of people say, well, I'm not ready for six months to a year. Okay, great. Do you know the first step of getting ready? The wow. first step of getting ready is doing a pre-qualification right. so you understand where to go. Almost a roadmap. Yeah. You, even if you take the first step just to see, okay, what do I do if I ever want to buy a house? Call up a loan officer, get pre-qualified, doesn't cost you anything, and then you'll know exactly what the price point of your home that you can buy. And then you can also give us different scenarios. You can say, hey, listen, Waylon, I don't have any money now. How much would I qualify for? My credit's not good now. How much do I qualify for? And then I'll say, hey, it's not good now. This is what you qualify for. In a year from now, if you work on your credit or if you work on a down payment, this is what you can get. Then guess what? You're the boss. You decide if you want to do it now or in 10 years from now. But the wow. good thing about it is that you can at least create a roadmap for yourself so you know where you're going. That's really good. That's really, really good. That's really good advice. Um, now, do you actually tell people what they can work on specific to their credit and, and uh, you know, their income or whatever the case may be? Absolutely. I give them a full roadmap. I'll, I'll go through their credit. I have credit um, repair companies. I have rapid rescores that I can, I can tell you exactly what to do just by paying off $2,000 on your current debt. I can do a rapid rescore within seven days. I've got scores to go from 590 to 700 within a week just wow. by paying off as little as $2,000 on credit cards. So that's, that's a pretty powerful tool that a lot of people don't even know about. So, you know, they don't have. have a clue. It's a company that we use that can allow us to do a forecast of where you're at now and where you can be if you pay down certain liabilities on your credit. Right. That's an excellent tool. So, you know, just to, just a quick recap, I was going to ask you what's a golden nugget, man. You just dropped the one thing that, you know, could make getting a, a mortgage for a lot of people super easy. Go get pre-qualified, create the roadmap. So, so give us your contact information because a lot of our listeners are going to, the first thing they're going to want to do is do exactly what you said, figure out their roadmap. So give us your contact information so that they can do exactly that, figure out where they need to go figure out where they are so they can have the roadmap for whether they want to do it now or 10 years from now, like you said. We're nationwide. So anywhere that you're looking to buy a house, I can connect you with the right person. Emails Wayland. So W-A-Y-L-A-N-D dot Coleman, C-O-L-E-M-A-N at fairwaymc.com. So Wayland dot Coleman at fairwaymc.com. Yep. And anybody who is nationwide, we're talking 50 states in the two territories, anybody nationwide can get a hold of you, figure out what they need to do, get their roadmap, and they'll be connected with a local lender because Fairway is a national lending company, correct? That's correct. So to sum up everything, there's a, a couple of key things that you guys mentioned. And the biggest thing is the fact that you were able to find some type of balance to come together and be in alignment. And I think that's real 
key because a lot of times it, it's a challenge. Give our audience just a few key tips. You know, if they're trying to, I get this question all the time, like, how did you get your wife to jump on board? Or how did you get your husband to jump on board with what you're doing? When it comes to entrepreneurship, that can be challenging. So what are some key tips as we sum up our podcast today that you can give the audience that worked for you guys? Well, for me, my dad is an entrepreneur. So my dad owns, you know, his a couple businesses and growing up and seeing my dad be successful in those, it was a no brainer for me. Of course, I'm always going to support my husband and anything he wants to do because I saw that growing up myself. Right. Um, it is scary because you never know being an entrepreneur if it's going to go right or left, right? Is it going right. to be good or bad? And when you have a family, that is really scary because you don't know, like, is this going to work out? Are we going to be okay? Are we going to have enough to live, you know, this next year, basically, because being an entrepreneur, right, you go through ups and downs a lot of the times. Right. But I think just staying strong together, our faith in God is most important for us. Just giving him my support and my my ears, you know, listening to him and just giving anything that I can back to him that'll help him in his growth. A lot of times our listening audience may hear, you know, me and Keisha because we're husband and wife team, they think, oh, you know, this is only relevant to, you know, married couples. No, this is business partners, you know. Yeah. Yeah. We're husband and wife, but we're also business partners. You guys yeah. were husband and wife, but also business partners. I mean it's it's a dynamic and a flow here. And um, there's some dynamics in marriage that work well in business. Yeah. I agree. It's been a long road. Monique's been with me since 13 years before the crash. So she went with me through the crash. Wow. Um, and I always knew I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, somebody who works for myself, somebody who doesn't have a boss, right? So even when I met Monique, I told her that the economy and the work that I do is going to have some ups and downs. So I, I need you to have my back when that happens. So, you know, I, I remember when the economy went down, she was working while I was taking care of Jalen, our son, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, for, for a year and a half. You know, I, I stayed home. But my vision the whole time was that I need somebody to help support me and have a consistent job while I'm working on my business. Yeah. You got to have somebody that's on board, a team, a partnership, to where you guys can actually grow and do it together. Wow. And, and she, she bought in right away. She was like, you know what, I'll, I'll go ahead and, um, you know, start working. She, she applied for a property management job, and she's never done a property management job in her life. He was coaching me through how to do it. <laughs> <laughs> I, <didn't> do it. <laughs> I was like, you know, that's right up my alley. Look, at, they got a property management job available. I can coach you on that. Right. How to, you know, sell apartments. Yeah. So I walked you through that. She held us down. The market got back up in 2010, 2011. I was able to continue my entrepreneurship. He's a master at what he does, and it's just, it's amazing. I'm so proud of him. And I agree. Yeah, no, thank you. Wayland, you, you know, I mean, thank like, you. he is good at what he does. <laughs> I mean, I'm, yeah, he is. I can't do it without her because she, she's my uh, nerves. She's my calm in the storm. I'm actually calm when I'm here. Everywhere yeah. else, I'm just a mess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I got So many golden nuggets with that so, interview. Yeah, absolutely. So many golden nuggets. You know, it's just really good when you have good vendors to talk to. Yes. Um, 
you know, everybody does their own due diligence. So, yes. you know, some vendors you can work well with while others can't work well with other vendors. So, you know, do your own due diligence, do your own vetting. Um, we're not necessarily recommending each vendor, but, uh, you know, a lot of these people we do business with. Right, exactly. And a lot of these people we have already built relationships with. So, you know, use what you have to your advantage. We, you know, a lot of times in our world, a referral goes a long way. So, yes. you know, just take this as a referral. Do your homework, but it's a referral. You know, before we close out, we want to just kind of leave you with we're doing some soul searching, right? Yes, that and, would be correct. Yeah. And one of the things that I've come across is that once you read so many books, once you've taken so many courses, once you've taken and gotten some, so much education, there is an action s- sequence to doing what it is you have to do, right? Right. And I think that a lot of people who are seeing success and a lot of people who have spent the time educating themselves sometimes have to reduce the amount of quote unquote reading they do education they have to actually go out and execute mm. you know, I've talked to a couple of friends in the last couple of weeks who haven't read as many books as they've read in the past and it's a it's kind of this trend you know they're reading two or three books a year because they're actually going out and executing and I thought that was interesting because as avid of a reader as I am, as big of a proponent of education as I am, at some point, you have to stop, kind of, not necessarily stop educating yourself. Mm-hmm. You have to slow down and f- prioritize getting action done with your education, actually implementing. You know, our, our mentors say education for effective action, the real estate guys, right? Right, correct. And so you have to get to the point where you're getting the education for effective action, not just getting the education because it feels good. Because once you start person developing yourself, education feels really good. Right. And so we're going to leave you with that. The start of our vendor series, we're super excited for the upcoming interviews that we will have attorneys, CPAs, other people that are going to be valuable members of your team. Right. And uh, we'll continue to do this series until we run out of options. Right, right. Stay tuned. Thanks for joining us. See you next week. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. If you'd like more information on joining the Real Equity Club, visit the website at realequityclub.com. There, you will get access to the tools, providers, and ideas you need to create, grow, and maintain your wealth. Again, that's realequityclub.com. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com. Or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.